You know you're doing something right, or maybe wrong, when God shows up at the construction site. So how do you go about getting that kind of attention? Welcome to Kingdom Speak with Pastor Daniel McKillop. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Kingdom Speak. Today, let's go to a construction site. Let's do it. You are construction worker Joe. Can we go to the construction site of our new building? Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. Maybe for another episode. Yeah. Yeah. You're construction worker Joe, and I don't know what it sounds like when God shows up. <laughs> Does he tap you on the shoulder? <laughs> you hear boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, come on, use your equipment. Let's do some sound effects here. Come on. <laughs> and, you know, God shows up. So if you haven't figured out yet, we're talking about the Tower of Babel. Um, it just kind of struck me when we were preparing for this. How, how do you get that kind of attention? And it. And do you want that kind of attention? And then that, yes. <laughs> so somebody's doing something right or horribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> But when, I guess we're just jumping right in here, but when when God says, let us go down, you know, they have a mind, blah, 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 blah. Right. It kind of rung a bell of when he said, let us make man. There's that. It's a big moment when God decides to, you know. Absolutely. So let's jump right into this. How, how, do, how does that kind of thing happen? And what was going on? I, I don't think you can separate this moment from its chronological placement mm -hmm. in in scripture so you know uh, if if we don't when you're reading scripture a lot of times with, with the turn of a page mm -hmm. you can almost jump a generation mm -hmm. and and think that well i went to sleep last night and woke up in this setting the story of the tower of babel is is really of 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 that, that, that's kind of the setting. You can literally leave the end of chapter 10, which is kind of wrapping up and tying up the conclusion of the flood mm -hmm. and the and the reintroducing of the divine mandate that had stayed consistent from Genesis forward, which was once again, go, multiply, be fruitful, replenish the earth, and it would appear like, depending on the margin size in your Bible, <laughs> in the that, large print, <laughs> that those, yeah, that those two moments are only about an inch apart. Mm -hmm. But even even if you if if you use a range of sources and interpretive measures, you know, there's a range of at least a uh, hundred year minimum to some measures placing it around three hundred years that had transpired between the commission being given to Noah and his sons, and now the narrative that we find in Genesis 11 of what we're talking about with the, the Tower of Babel. So how do you, how do you get to this moment? Mm -hmm. uh, there's, this has always been a fascinating story to me, and I think we have much to gain from this story, but um, 
I, I, I think the first thing that jumps out is the power of unity. Yes. They were of one language mm-hmm. and one speech. I think I think we need to 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 properly grasp the full depth of what he's saying right there. He's not just saying that they were all speaking Hebrew. All right. Or all speaking English or or it's not a redundant statement there. It is that the language was the same, but the message was also the same. Mm-hmm. They weren't just saying it all in the same dialect, the same language, but they were all stating the same message. And so you have the entire world marching, as it were, the then known world, the population mm-hmm. is marching to the same message. And that message was, we're tired of wandering. Mm -hmm. We want to be settled. We want to dwell. And so they're looking for that place. Where can we dwell? And what is it going to take to make that happen? Mm -hmm. And that was the resonating message that was driving the behavior of that generation of people. So they say something interesting in Genesis 11, uh, verse number 4. They said, Go, let us build a city and a tower. So this was always told to me as the Tower of Babel. We never heard much about the city of Babel. Right. Right. I think you've got to understand that they were looking for a place to dwell. So when they come to the plain of, of Shinar and they see it laying there, the message that had been resonating, we, we got to understand, this did not start with one brick being put on top of another. Mm-hmm. It started with a message. Wow, that's very good. It, very started, good. it started with a unifying message. Mm. We're looking for a place to dwell. I think that was a Bible bomb. I, I think it was. Oh, that's not the Bible bomb. Maybe this is the bot. There it is. <laughs> you wanted sound effects today. There we go. Well, that's better than crickets. This is for our premium subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't hear the sound effects, you better subscribe. <laughs> yeah, so it starts with a message. Starts with a message. It doesn't start with bricks. Mm. And so anything that you're going to do for God, whether it gets God's attention because it's right mm-hmm. or wrong starts with a unifying message. And when you get a people marching to the same beat, Mm. responding and resonating and echoing that message, it gets God's attention. The Valley of Dry Bones started with a message. Absolutely. And now everything happens after that. Right. Very good. So there's more to it than just speaking the same thing. You got to... Right. So they came... And they said, let's build a city. When they saw the plain of Shinar, this is it. This fits the narrative. This fits the message. This fits. So now to take it to the next level of execution, Mm -hmm. we've found the place. Now let's build the city and the tower. And ironically, they started with the tower. Hmm. They started building the tower first because they wanted to reach heaven. Yeah, that's one of the that's one of them. 
So do you think that's literally, you know, like physically wanting to get to heaven? Yeah. No, here, here's an interesting, here's an interesting background. I've, I've read some uh, Jewish writers on this. There's pretty well consensus that one of the thrust behind the tower was, and there's, there's a, there's a lot of them. You've mentioned a, a name for yourself mm-hmm. to dwell, to settle, to reach heaven. One of them was also to escape judgment. Hmm. Again, you cannot you cannot segregate this account from its context. Look where you are in history, right? Right. Yeah. So, depending on which source you are using, you're 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 in a window of 100 to 300 years from a flood that literally reduced mm. the world and reset earth literally and humanity down to eight people. This was the grace of God that kept mankind from being completely eradicated, made extinct. Mm. And within a 100 to 300 year window, you have people that are once again so wicked. And if this is ever a testament to the grace of God being turned into lasciviousness, didn't take long, did it? This is it. I would think that being within 100 to 300 years of a historic, historic judgment like the flood, that you would never forget that. It's not like they're reading about it in history. They have firsthand accounts of people that Absolutely. were on the boat. Right, right. So what you have here is you have a group of people that are so afraid that God will once again judge. They, be, they became, uh, the, this, this mindset emerged from this that every few hundred years, God's going to get mad. Yes. And he's going to just take a bunch of water and he's going to drown us all. And so let us build something that we can escape judgment. Oh, so they want high ground. <laughs> right. I see. Let's make it higher than everything around. So they didn't want to adjust their lifestyles to the place that God wouldn't have to judge them. Mm. Rather, let's invent, create, construct something that we can run to that is elevated above the ability to be judged. You know what's cool about this is that ever since then in human history and human behavior patterns, that's never happened again. Yeah, it was a one-of. Yeah. Yeah. That that took care of it. <laughs> right. Why not just trust God? Mm-hmm. Because God in his mercy will allow you to construct something. He did. He'll build it for you pretty well. Give He'll you give you the pattern and yeah. say, put a window on the top, a door on the side, make it pitch yeah. it within and without, and it'll get you through the judgment. But no mankind always has been driven wow. that he wants to construct his own escape hatch from judgment. And he wants to reach heaven. He wants to construct something that can give him access to heaven. I don't think there's any source that you can find that would say they literally thought they were going to build something high enough Mm -hmm. physically that they could reach heaven. But they definitely were building something that they were hoping 
would become the intersect between heaven and earth. So when it says they wanted to reach heaven, it was like they were trying to build a uh, contact point. Right, right. A place where heaven and earth could could yeah. could interact. Okay. So about this tower. Little did they know, by yep. the way, that God would come down. <laughs> Before they had it built. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So this thing that they started working on that got God's attention, you know that. Um, you have an interesting little, uh, tid timbit here for those who know what those are. It's not the donut; it's just the timbit. Oh come on. Um. For our American listeners, you must know what Tim Hortons is. I hope you do. To appreciate a timbit. Okay, we're off track here. <clears throat> You know, a donut would be good right now. Um, so this tower, what do you think about it uh, in terms of structure? Like, were, was it, talk to us a little bit about how, from history's perspective, how it looked and what, you know, the nuts and bolts. Well, I, I, think, I think every one of us, when we hear tower, mm. we begin constructing in our own mind. Yeah. What it may have looked like. The CN Tower. Yeah. 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 So from the spirals in Dubai to mm -hmm. One World Center mm -hmm. in New York City or, you know, if we're, if, if we're not careful, we will think that that's what it, that, that's what it was. I it, definitely picture that in my brain. <laughs> right. And really, how do we know? So if, if you're all holding your breath expecting me to produce the picture of the thing... <laughs> <laughs> that's VIP too. Oh, you can't, that's behind the paywall. That, that is, that <laughs> is. So, but there was, um, there, there's an Ill, there's a, an illustration that has been drawn off of some archaeological digs um, in 1876, and and it's it's interesting. And again, uh, who who has the authority on this? We don't we don't really know. But it's an interesting an interesting. Um, bit of information. The first thing that they say, state in this, is that there was no Hebrew words for a tower that may reach heaven. So you're saying they didn't? That wasn't a part of it. So that literally, when you when you get into translating mm -hmm. from the Hebrew in that that the connotation was not literal that they would reach heaven. Interesting. But rather that its height was the top of it, at whatever level that was, would be the point of interaction hmm. between heaven and earth. So it was kind of like a platform. Ah, uh, you're getting ahead. <laughs> so, interestingly enough, this depiction off of the archaeological dig of 1876 has it laid out? Now, th this this is my opinion. Okay, when I when I looked at it, this is what I saw. Mm -hmm. It has almost as if an outer court, an inner court, hmm. and then a tower that emerges, platform as you said by platform. It's mm -hmm. elevated stage by elevated stage. So I'm, I'm quoting this source now to say that the grand court or what. For those of us that have studied the Old Testament tabernacle model, the outer court, the grand court, was 900 feet by 1,156 feet. And then a smaller or inner court 
450 feet by 1,056 feet. And then there was a platform inside of it with walls around it that had gates from each side. And the center stood in the center of that, of that inner court area, stood the tower. Mm-hmm. Again, this is just historical uh, renderings off of this archaeological dig in 1876. They estimate that the tower itself was 300 feet high. That's not that high. No. Not really. No. It it's it's for sure not heaven height. <laughs> <laughs> okay? But that each each of the platforms would decrease. I have all of the dimensions that they feel. So it kind of went up. Right. But like in in a block form. Mm-hmm. So the first one was 110 feet high mm-hmm. and and then each one would go in mm-hmm. until the top was 80 this number for you 80 feet long 60 feet wide and 50 feet high and the top of that part of the tower was actually a sanctuary and that is where they would reach heaven Hmm. from that elevated place that's just an interesting an interesting deal that segues into the reason we're here today. The reason we're here today. <laughs> Absolutely. The word tower there, interestingly enough, according to Strong's or Vines, says that it is a tower, obviously. Mm-hmm. But one of the other meanings of this word, this Hebrew word, migdal, by analogy, it means a rostrum an elevated stage, or a pulpit. Hmm. So the Tower of Babel, I'm not saying it was literally a pulpit, but but it was a place when you tie that with the fact that these people spoke the same language Mm -hmm. and the same message, and then God's approach to stopping it was to confound the Mm. language Mm. to destroy the message it adds another level to this story Mm -hmm. that that tower of babel was literally an elevated stage that disseminated a unifying message that Mm. this is how you can escape judgment and this is how you can get to heaven and from wherever you were, listen, I've, I've been I've been in New York City and stood at ground zero and looked up, mm-hmm. spiraling into the heavens mm-hmm. at the one world center. There is something about a tower that draws your eyes up from a mainstream, yeah. a main street level yes. from the surroundings. It pulls up from wherever they were in the plains of Shinar, they could lift up their eyes and see that tower, and it would draw them to the heavens. Now, when you understand the power of that tower Mm -hmm. to pull and arrest, listen, these folks understood that if we're going to settle 
and we're going to dwell. We need a tower. Hmm. Let's build a city and a tower. You can't be settled right. without building a pulpit. There is something about the construction of that pulpit that disseminates your doctrine. It disseminates your belief. That's where your message resonates from. It changes your perspective. It changes your perspective. Yes. It draws those that find solace in your message. Mm. And that became, listen, even the wrong message resonated from there to the point that God himself said, I got to go down there and stop this because mm. if I don't stop this, yeah, they're onto something. This will work. <laughs> they're using my pattern. <laughs> this will work. Yeah, that's the power. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there, just side note here, but is there any other places that that pulpit word is used as tower? Absolutely. Yeah. In Nehemiah chapter, and I got here. Nehemiah chapter eight. It is literally translated as a pulpit, and Ezra. Okay. Cool. Cool. The scribe stood upon a pulpit or tower yeah. of wood. Wow. Of wood. So the idea, the idea that preaching doesn't work is false. That is a flawed premise. It has been working and it works. Here is the significance of everything that we're trying to get across tonight. It works on both sides sides yeah so false preaching absolutely which but, explains a lot of you know the rise of different doctrines different you know false doctrines yes yes yeah. explains that the ivory towers of of academia the ivory towers of humanism liberalism mm -hmm. all of those work because they preach it mm-hmm that is what mainstream media is doing. You have a message and a platform. They've got a platform and they've got a message. Mm. And they are continually, and that is why, listen, here, here's, here's an interesting, here's an interesting um, uh, polarity here. They built a tower and a city. God's method is to put towers in vineyards. Hmm. Isaiah chapter 5 is, is one of my favorite, personal favorite passages of Isaiah outside of his prophetic references, obviously, to the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Now will I sing to my beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. He fenced it. He gathered out the stones thereof. He planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower there it is. in yeah. the midst of it. He put a tower in it. Now listen, a vineyard with a fence mm -hmm. and no stones and planted is still not fully functional without a tower being built hmm. in the midst of it. 
And so the anecdote for the humanistic approach of the Babylonians, because that is where Babylon emerges from, right, right, that epicenter of Babel, because they were all babbling at the end of it. <laughs> absolutely, that that that, and and I don't think as much as as we are using it even in a tongue in cheek mm. fashion right now, it is also the epicenter for humanistic doctrines to emerge. They are disseminated from mm. that Babylonian platform. And you can go through scripture and find significant. They, they, in fact, they believe that the image of Nebuchadnezzar was constructed on the site of wow. the Tower of Babel. It became the epicenter for the doctrines of the city, the, the urban doctrine, the ever-popular, wicked. So it was a factory producing. Right. Right. And that is that is why God shut it down. He tore it down. Man. And so we are over here as the church of the living God. And we are setting up towers mm -hmm. in fields, not in cities. Mm -hmm. The church is not a city. The church is a vineyard. The church is where a life can be brought that that has no productivity. And message by message, yeah. mm. message by message, a fence is constructed. Stones are removed. Mm. Vineyards, choice vines are planted. Productivity. And productivity emerges in a life that prior to that was destitute. And it all starts with building a pulpit in a field. Wow. So then it's incumbent that we begin to remove towers out of our individual lives. You know, if you look at it that way, where which tower are you getting your information from? Absolutely. And there's a lot of areas to go there, but well, and 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 let me throw this out as a caution. Over over the last 10 weeks, the church has been forced to adapt to another means mm -hmm. of accomplishing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, for one, am a, am, a, am a preacher that had to step over the personal lack of comfort. My personal comfort zone was violated by standing in front of a, of a camera. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Mm -hmm. So then the pressure becomes... And boy, we've got to shake that off. The pressure becomes, well, let's let's renovate the pulpit. Yeah, build a different kind of tower maybe. to make it a little more camera friendly. Let's sure, yeah. let's, yeah. but we can't forget the kingdom of God does not come by observation. And so this world needs an unfettered pulpit mm -hmm. to confront the ivory towers mm. of mainstream media. Mm. And, and we don't have to go through all of the lists. They are there, but it's confrontational. Preaching is one of the most confrontational, dominion-establishing actions that the church has. He chose by the foolishness of preaching mm -hmm. 
to save them that believe. We don't need to be intimidated that maybe the towers, the pulpits of the church, when contrasted with the high heights of the Tower of Babel, we can sometimes feel like oh, yeah. maybe we're inferior. For sure. You know, I'm, I'm a church planner. I'm, I'm, I'm not even my own building. Um, I might be standing on the soapbox, if you will. But man, preach, mm-hmm. preach, preach. Step in there. I don't care if you are using a webcam. I don't care if you're doing it in front of an iPhone right now. Preach. Mm-hmm. Confront that tower. And do you know what? I'm witnessing it, and I know other churches are witnessing it. Do you know what happens when you start preaching? The same thing happens that happened with the Tower of Babel. God, God comes <laughs> oh, down. Yes, yes. And when he comes down, instead of destroying it, mm. he gets involved with the message. He's like, I'll help you out on this. I'll, I'll ba- Can I work here for a day? <laughs> How about this? I will work with you, mm. confirming the word mm-hmm. with signs following. Wow. Wow. So before that, preaching riff you just went off on uh, i was asking you about breaking down towers so there's stories in the bible where sure. men would go in sure. yeah you'd hack and slash and whip up on people but also tear things down is that does that connect right gideon so i, I mean you you you've, you see him threshing away mm-hmm. in seclusion driven by fear just trying to survive. God finds him there. His personal view of himself was the least of the least. And God says, you're a mighty man of valor. Mm-hmm. All right? We go through the process of being weeded down from thousands to 300 mighty men of valor that are following their leader. And they start whooping up on the adversaries. Mm-hmm. And they are... They are absolutely wreaking havoc on the adversary. And to the point that they're getting weary with winning. I think this is where Trump got <laughs> oh the <my>. idea. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. Yeah. You, Very tired of winning. Yes, yes, that's right. So win much winning, winning everywhere. <laughs> this is for our VIP <laughs> guests as well. Uh, Literally, Gideon was tired of winning. Mm -hmm. He was weary, and he comes through these little villages, and he's like, man, would somebody give us something to eat? And and they're they're saying, "Uh, I'm not sure what the final outcome of this is going to be, so I don't want to end up on the wrong side. That was the wrong answer. And he looks at them and says, when I come back, I'm going to whoop up on you with briars and thorns and thistles. He leaves, and he goes again to the city of... Get it, Penuel. I've been there many times. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what's there? Yes. There's a tower there. Mm-hmm. And he looks up in that tower, and those guys are waffling. And he said, when I come back, I find his choice of words here incredibly interesting. When I come back in peace. In other words, the victory and the outcome is going to be settled. That's right. When yeah. I come back, I am victor, and I'm coming back in peace but I'm not going to let this tower stand. Wow. Yeah. I am pulling down this elevated stage that you are using 
to propagate your message. So I think the church needs to understand that, that we don't just want victory, but we have to confront the ideologies spewing from the towers of humanism. We've got to tear that down. So now is never the time to go quiet about Jezebel, her doctrine, and her tower. Also in a tower, yes. Mm -hmm. we got to preach against that. And we've got to do it during the COVID crisis. And we've got to do it through the, through the stages that we have right now. We cannot allow this crisis to re to cause us to renovate the pulpit that's true preach the message i don't care if you're having a service in an outdoor park parking lot i don't care if it's online mm -hmm. wherever it is it's not about performance it's about preaching let's continue to build the apostolic pulpit what a thought to think that you know you live in a society where you get all those voices and then that can push out the most important voice the one that has God's backing. Yeah. You only have so much attention to give, right? Absolutely. I'm sure you've read where, you know, even secular people suggest this, where, you know, the last thing you do at night should not be just reading on your phone, on social media, or the first thing in the morning. They say, you know, well, that'll cloud your brain while you, it affects your sleep mm -hmm. or it affects how your day goes if you get up and mm -hmm. you see all this stuff. So we as Christians, apostolics, we should definitely be tuning into this kind of preaching. <laughs> Absolutely. We've, we've got to. It changes your everyday life. Right. Right. We, it, we have got to preach a message that draws people. Listen, the message of Babel affected its entire world. Mm. People were drawn from every region of the then known world. If the apostolic pulpit goes quiet, we lose our draw. Hmm. We lose our draw. And so this is, this present crisis, if we'll handle it right, if we won't renovate the pulpit because of the long shadow the Tower of Babel may be casting right now, we're going to see a draw. We're experiencing it here on a local level, a draw. That is literally global, literally global. Mm -hmm. It is pulling them. So the very thing that we may be intimidated mm -hmm. to, to retrofit for right now is the very thing that affects the draw. If we've ever just needed to preach and preach without fear or favor, preach the apostolic message, it's now. And so I think that before we close this out, we need to apply what I think is the other bookend to the Tower of Babel. And that is found in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. On the day of Pentecost, mm -hmm. Peter stood up with the 11. What did he do? I don't know if he had a pulpit. He had a message. But he had a message. Mm. He had a stage. He had a congregation. The upper room? The upper room. He yep. was in the highest point that he could get. And do you know what happened? The same thing that happened in the tower at the Tower of Babel. Mm. God came down. 
there came a sound from heaven mm-hmm. and it filled the upper room and the Holy Ghost was poured out and they all spake with tongues and 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 cloven tongues like as a fire sat on each of them. There came a unity now that returned the exact opposite of what God done at the Tower of Babel. He is now pulling them back. There is a unifier to the Holy Ghost that can never be achieved, humanly speaking, outside of that. But when you get 120 people in one room speaking a heavenly language, Mm -hmm. there is a unity that returns to that, that leaves you leaves you coming out of that experience mm-hmm. having all things common. Yeah. The unifier of that entire thing was that Peter preached a message and God came down. Listen, we can't just communicate this mm-hmm. through public published material. Mm-hmm. We got to preach it into existence. Mm-hmm. We can never forget that it was the clarion call of the friend of the bridegroom that awakened the virgins to the to the pending arrival of the bridegroom the church cannot go quiet now the church cannot replace the pulpit with a stool and a cool mm. sandal wearing approach <laughs> <laughs> that step to the pulpit yeah open your mouth and preach don't be intimidated by whatever technology that you're having to use at this moment And if you'll do it, God will come down. So there it is. The way to have God visit you in a good way. Get yourself a preacher that preaches truth and listen to what the pulpit says. Wasn't that awesome today? Thank you for joining us. Keen to speak with Pastor Daniel McKillop. Just before we go, I want to remind you that if you haven't subscribed yet, do us a favor and subscribe wherever you're joining us from. And stay tuned. We got more episodes in the pipe on Kingdom Speak with Pastor Daniel McKillop.